club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals. I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. On today's episode, we will be discussing our July book club pick for the pod, the riveting new novel from Lillian Fishman, Acts of Service. Lillian Fishman is a novelist from New York. She received her MFA from NYU, where she was a Jill Davis Fellow. Acts of Service is her debut novel. But first... Lydia, <laughs> what are you currently reading? Well, I am currently reading um, Writers and Lovers by Lily King. I'm very, very sort of uh, anxious about, about saying anything about it, like an opinion on it yet, because I'm, it's literally just, I'm like a few pages in, like I can't. And also maybe you might want to save it for an um, upcoming episode. <laughs> We, d- we don't know what that could be. Don't know why. Don't know why. And whilst we're here, can we just apologise for our uh, slight disappearance? Um, was not intentional. No. But um, I decided to go on a holiday. Yeah. I mean, selfish. Rude, but okay. Well, <laughs> we forgive her, don't we, Buckhead? I decided to uh, go on a holiday, and um, between holidays and life, getting in the way we've just not had a chance to record so <laughs> here we are but you will be hearing about Lydia's current read I am very sure sooner than usual <laughs> we may have we're not very good at being clandestine are we let's face no, it we might no. have two episodes going up in the same week who Quick knows session who knows <laughs> my question to you though is yes you buggered off on holiday but what kind of reading happened on holiday what kind of reading happened on Was holiday? it successful? Did you get a lot done? Or were you more soaking up the sun? Um, I would say it was successful, although I was very ambitious and took five books <laughs> and then also bought a book in the airport. Uh, can I just flag up, though, if you don't already know this, this was brand new information for I me. did not know this either. So you can get new releases that are generally only out in hardback in bookshops. You can buy them in paperback in the airport. I don't know if that's because hardbacks are a ball lake to hold or what, but I managed to get Viola Davis's new novel um, that's not out in paperback yet in paperback in the airport. So I'm fuming. Love that for me. Um, <laughs> I would go on holiday just to do that. <laughs> like, just hang around the airport. <laughs> um, but I managed to get through Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. Nice. Um, and obviously it's a bit of a chunk, so I managed to get through that. And I also read Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. Yeah. Managed to read that as well. Um, so I didn't read all the books that I took, but considering I managed to get through two, and one of them was like a chunky gal. Yeah. I'm glad. Do you have the big book fear? Yes. Do you? You know this. <laughs> you know that. Uh, she's asking me this for the benefit of the listeners, but she yeah. knows full well I have got big book fear. It terrifies me. Uh, you see, I do, but then... No, you've not. No. Your favourite book is The Stand by Stephen King, which is a thousand pages long. I lie. I'm lying. I'm I mean, just lying. Is it your favourite book? It's one of your favourites. Yeah. I think you don't have to press me very hard for me to say it's my favourite. Yeah. Like... It's got such a big connection to your mum. It does. It it? does. I think that a lot of the time, I think as well, when people do ask you for your favourite book, usually I think a lot of people go to their, like, emotionally favourite book. Yeah. Like, something that immediately springs to mind is usually something they're emotionally connected with. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not it's the greatest book ever written, Mm -hmm. you know, I think 
it's not an intellectual choice ever yeah. really i mean i only read <laughs> how many times have i mentioned this on the podcast i only read soren books oh, she goes, last yeah. year <laughs> and usually you would say your favorite book is one that you've read many a time mm. it might be one that you read at a significant period in your life it might mm. be a big connection to someone but for me Soren Bliss I was just so emotionally connected to it yeah yeah that it just easily became one of my favorite books ever yeah yeah like without a doubt so and I don't blame you <laughs> So I do not blame you at all. Have we spoken about the fact that we now know the Women's Prize winner? No, we have not. Guys, you will already know this if you're a book lover, but the Women's Prize for Fiction 2022 was... Lydia? Oh, it was awarded to Ruth Azeki and the book of form and emptiness which is also a big book isn't it it's massive yeah and that terrifies me yeah it's it's huge and i think for me it was a real surprise a real surprise that it won because the concept of it i mean i'm not completely okay with it i've not read it i do own a copy but i've not read it yet but the concept is very much kind of um, inanimate objects have voices mm-hmm. and um, and it's sort of otherworldly. And I, I, I just didn't see that being the choice. Yeah. You know, and but then when you look at the long list, actually, that was quite a big running theme yeah, through a lot of it with, with Alif Shafak, with um, I know Creatures of Passage has kind of ghosty elements. Um, uh, the sentence. The sentence, yeah, again, ghosty. Um, so Which, I, sh- I don't know if we've also said, but Lydia managed. No, we, we must have said it. Wow. <laughs> if we've not already said it, Lydia has to I will you. say it a million times, but I did go into a charity shop and i did find the u.s version which is the most beautiful book ever i feel like we have already mentioned this because i feel like we said that you just like collapsed on the floor i did i collapsed but we'll, we'll tell you again I collapsed just so you're aware of how and ran around can be. i think i said <laughs> i think i did say that i i would have kicked a small child to <laughs> to to grab that book this is this is how lydia is so when we found out uh, that Pandora Sykes was interested in featuring on the pod. Um, Lydia did fall to the floor in her waterstones. It, so. I am unashamedly sort of dramatic in you my just made actions. Up a word. Did I? Unashamedly. Unashamed. Uh, unashamed. Oh, <laughs> we can edit this out. <laughs> Lydia is the most eloquent, articulate person on the planet, so I'm just really enjoying the fact that she just slipped up and said a wrong word, when usually it's me being like, um, how do I speak the English language, because I've suddenly forgot. Uh, Can we move on? Can we move on? (laughs) So, she's not too far into writers and lovers. No, I'm not, but I have heard great things. Yes. I I loved it. You loved it. I did. And um, I've seen a lot of, like, hype on, like, Bookstagram Mm -hmm. of a lot of people sort of picking it up and saying, like, it was really, really good. So... I am excited to get into it. I feel like it'll be a really, like, juicy book. Mm. So, yeah. I can't wait to see what you think. (laughs) 
<laughs> what are you currently reading, Hannah? I am currently reading uh, The Love Affairs of Nathaniel P by Adele Warman, is it? Mm-hmm. And this is going to be featured on an upcoming episode as well. <laughs> I'm not loving it. No. I'm not loving it. Um, but I think because the male protagonist is just so bloody insufferable. Is a dick that I just don't vibe with him at all. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's an unlikable female protagonist, I can enjoy it. Yeah. I can be like, they're really unlikable, I don't like them, but I really enjoy their voice. Yeah. But he's just doing my head in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's the best way to put it. So I just find it really misogynistic mm-hmm. and irritating. And But then I also think that is probably exactly what the author's going for. Yeah, that's the whole point of the So, you know, it's quite... Which class is satirical? I think so, yeah. It's definitely... It's a tricky one because it's a book that you I think you either love or you hate you either get it or you just don't yeah like he's an idiot and he is the way that he views women is misogynistic there's no Mm. other way of saying it you know it's written by a woman I think at that element I do enjoy yeah he's he's this kind of the quintessential bachelor who embodies all of these traits that you're like this is everything I hate about men yeah yeah and he is that archetype and so often we get male authors writing dodgy female characters and it's just so bloody awful the way they're written that it's quite nice to get a female author going actually (laughs) have it the other way around have it the other way around but you'll hear more of my opinions on this book when uh the next episode goes live mm-hmm. would you like <clears throat> to introduce us to acts of service i would love to so i'm going to read a bit of the blurb for you just to get a feel of it eve has an adoring girlfriend an impulsive streak and a secret fear that she's wasting her brief youth with just one person so one evening she posts some nudes online this is how she meets olivia and through olivia the charismatic nathan Despite Eve's better instincts, the three soon begin a relationship, one that disturbs Eve as much as it enthralls her. So Hannah, let's start off with, how did you like it? Northerner in us coming out. I'm sorry. How did you like it? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, tell me. So I really enjoyed this. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really great debut. I love books that explore sex and sexuality and relationships and I think this is such a bold and daring novel yeah and kind of so thought-provoking in the things that it explores you know uh, like female sexuality kind of craving male validation yeah yeah. um desire and lust and kind of um morality around lust and desire Mm. um I think it's such interesting topics and such a great one for us to kind of chat about on the pod I think as soon as you see like queer woman in her 20s living in New York you're kind of like sold yeah um, <laughs> just the premise of yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's got that kind of I think if you like uh, books that have kind of a protagonist with like chaotic female energy this yeah. is definitely for you yeah it's like a really great kind of trend we're seeing in contemporary fit with chaotic female protagonists yeah and I'm here for <laughs> oh absolutely you know there's a lot of introspective moments in the novel there's a lot of kind of questionable things that the protagonist does and it's also like it's one of them reads that it kind of can't put it down yeah yeah um, like i flew through it 
Yeah. And it's it's not that long. It's just over 200 pages, I think. Thank you. 214, I think it is. Yeah, 214 pages. Really fast read. Mm. And you kind of want to inhale it in one go because so much happens and there's so many plot twists that really throw you. And yeah. are unexpected. And there is I- a reveal about Nathan that literally my jaw was like hanging off. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, what about you, Lud? I am the same. I really, really enjoyed it. I And I particularly loved how quickly it got me into it. Yeah. Because I find if I'm not in, if the first few chapters don't get me, I'm, I already find it a slog. I'm like, yeah. I'm not connecting with it. I'm not vibing with it. I mean, I'm, I don't DNF books, but it makes me struggle. Um, whereas with this, I was, I raced through the first half definitely because i was like i need to know what's happening it's it's immediate the storyline is immediate Mm -hmm. and i loved that i loved how fast it felt and i think it tackled some real kind of groundbreaking stuff like things that i haven't read before particularly regarding sex and femininity that i've not seen before no and i enjoyed that and i thought it was a great way of exploring the female relationship with sex and how that changes in different dynamics and with different people involved and i thought at first it was going to be a queer novel yeah and it turns into some kind of like amalgamation of things yeah that i thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. so yeah i did i i did really enjoy it absolutely so i think what you were saying there about it being an amalgamation Mm. of things so obviously our protagonist is eve and Eve is in a relationship with Romy. Yeah. Romy. And Romy is her adoring girlfriend who you're kind of... It's such a strange novel in the way that it makes you question your own morals. Yeah. Because I really resented Eve in the beginning. Yeah. Because I was like, how can you do this to Romy? Like, she loves you so much. And I think that Eve's Eve's descriptions, because it's everything from Eve's perspective, yeah. her perspective of Romy is that she's this kind of angelic can Mm -hmm. do no wrong yeah wonderful partner who goes out and gets coffee without asking yeah who does her laundry who puts up with so much and doesn't care will take her around you know will drive her around will pick her up you know all of these things she does selflessly Mm -hmm. and because she's made to be this almost perfect person does make you think why are you doing this to her? Mm. Like, it immediately puts you on Romy's side. Yeah. But then I found that I had begun to root Mm. for Eve's relationship with Nathan and Olivia. Yeah. And although I've just been waxing lyrical about the book and saying how much I enjoyed it, uh, one thing it didn't quite give me is I... I found Olivia to be such an interesting character. Yeah, yeah. A really interesting character. And her kind of, I can't think of any other word to describe it, but her kind of submissiveness with Nathan. And I know submissive can be a really kind of negative term. Yeah. But she seemed to enjoy and take great pleasure in being a submissive. Yeah, it was consensual submissiveness. Yeah. Almost, I think. But I found that so fascinating. And... 
Olivia started off being a character that I thought I knew mm-hmm. and then became something different. Now, if you don't want any spoilers, maybe skip. Oh, they know we spoil. Um, I, I am probably going to give a couple of spoilers. I'm going to try not to reveal too much. Yeah, because there are some great moments. Yeah. So we're not going to do any major spoilers, but there are things that we're probably going to talk about that mm-hmm. might kind of reveal character changes and things like yeah. that. So with Olivia, I felt like Olivia had this kind of submissiveness towards Nathan. And like mm-hmm. you said, it's consensual. But then there's Eve is observing their relationship. Yeah. And is kind of unsure whether it's a toxic dynamic, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, a toxic power dynamic at play or whether it is genuinely consensual and whether yeah. Olivia is actually, you know, happy for Nathan to be having sexual relations with Eve at the same time as with her. Mm-hmm. And Olivia often removes herself from this three-way dynamic and takes herself off to the bedroom. Mm. And there's just quite an odd, there's an odd dynamic. And I wanted to see more from Olivia. Yeah. There's a lot between Nathan and Eve. Yeah. And you see a lot between Nathan and Olivia, but not necessarily enough from Olivia. Olivia was quite reluctant to enter the sexual relationship with Eve. Mm. She would kind of allow something to start happening and then be like, no, no, no. And I was like, oh, but it's so strange because at the beginning, Olivia was the one that contacted Eve. So I thought that Olivia was going to be the one that was kind of all up for this. Yeah, yeah. And Olivia wanted to meet Eve. And then when Eve went to meet her in real life, she was kind of sat reading her book. She's quite timid. Yeah. Very timid. And um, you see that side to her, which wasn't the kind of vibe that you got from her on the message. Yeah. And then she kind of scurries off Mm. and asks for her to come and meet her and Nathan. And then when she arrives, it's kind of like, this is about Eve and Nathan and Olivia and Nathan, but not about them. As, as a, a three. three yeah which wasn't what i expected from kind of the novel's description so i really would have liked to have seen more inside olivia's head yeah i was really fascinated by her as a character but i agree i would love to see more of her but i think was lillian intentionally depriving us of that because oh, probably because eve doesn't get it and so we can't either yes maybe yeah, yeah. and i thought that was quite that's quite clever because i think you could take it either way that is usually the things that I don't like in novels yeah. <laughs> because I am such a nosy person. You can't cope with unresolved, can you? Can't cope with it. I want to know everything about everyone, mm. which a lot of writers aren't going to give you. No, <laughs> give you everything. Like that's literally what you're taught as a writer. Yeah, is to not give the audience everything. Let them make their own minds up about things. Yeah. But I'm hungry for knowledge. I'm like, <laughs> give it to me. She's Let thirsty. me know what's going on. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I'll just make things up for myself because be I want to know what's going on in Olivia's head. You have to write a little character. Gonna have break to, down gonna for have it. To, aren't I? I'm gonna have to make up my own mind about this situation. But what did you think about Olivia's character? I found her quite frustrating because I understood that she wanted the relationship to be hers alone. I felt like she did, mm. but then she quite enjoyed having to share him. 
in ways. I don't know if she did. I felt like there was quite a possessiveness about her. But in quite a... She came across as, like, a small child, mm. you know, taking themselves off and kind of, you know, not wanting to share their toys. Yeah. You know, offering their toys up, but then being upset that they had to share in the first yeah. place. And that, I think that's what I found so fascinating about her because her personality was such a contradiction. Mm. I think she was, she was a fascinating character. I think I was mostly intrigued by her more than anyone else in the book. I think Olivia was the character I needed to know more about. I wanted to to learn all about her. Mm-hmm. The things like she kept her work so private. Yeah. She wouldn't talk about work. She wouldn't talk about a painting. She wouldn't talk about anything other than what pertained to Nathan. And I thought that was, that kind of just intrigued me so much. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I wanted more. But then again, if I was given more, would it have spoiled it? I don't know. It's a tricky one. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're just saying about um, how she wouldn't kind of give away much information on her professional life yeah so obviously there's quite a journey in things that are gradually revealed about their professional lives yeah and how nobody at work is aware of their dynamic and then towards the end of the book so maybe if you don't want to spoil it, skip ahead towards the end of the book there is this whole thing about eve being asked to she 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 sort of has to give a bit of a testimony in a deposition yeah doesn't she about basically she's asked about her relationship with nathan and that includes some kind of mixed misconduct at work yeah on nathan's part yeah so alleged misconduct from nathan with a i think it's an interviewee isn't it for a job role and so she has to kind of i mean i couldn't think of anything more mortified but having to sit there and say what her relationship is Mm -hmm. what her the dynamic of the relationship is and that includes olivia too i thought that was a very interesting way to give us an outsider's perspective on what was happening i again (laughs) you know what i'm gonna say yeah i wanted to find out more about that situation (laughs) i really did i was like no (laughs) yeah don't give me that ending like let me know what's happening yeah um i really wanted to know what was going going on with that mm-hmm. i would actually uh, be intrigued to see an adaptation oh here she goes how, how long how long i think it'd be a good tv series mm. not a film a tv series yeah it'd be steamy it would be steamy i'm here for the steam <laughs> <laughs> so talking about steam Oh, nice. We have, you know, read a lot around the book and mm-hmm. it's been described as a sex masterpiece nice. by The Guardian. Yeah. What did you think of the writing of sex in the book? I thought it was really well done because I, I find sex quite cringy. Yeah. Sometimes. And... Um, I also don't like it when it's like very au fait, kind of like he touched me in my area. Oh, I hate I that so much. Enjoyed it so much. I'm like, no, like <laughs> name things and yeah. don't call them something they're not. That yeah. Yeah. You, you know, like yeah. I can't remember what I read and the whole way through. It was like he touched my sex. Oh, and no, I'm I like that. No, no. If you your vagina. Use, if you don't want to use like a, a term that you deem vulgar, then, you know, there's ways of saying it. Yeah. Like, still, you're a writer. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Like, describe. Get creative. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so I was really scared that it was going to be like that because whenever a book 
is kind of touted as a sex masterpiece I'm like is it really or is it going to make me like want to die inside (laughs) but I thought it was really really hot sexy particularly the scenes between Eve and Olivia there is one particular moment between them two that I was like wow this is good like it was just really well written I was so fascinated by Olivia because she had a real reluctance yeah towards Eve and Eve was just so desperate for them to engage in (laughs) this desperate and Olivia was just like oh no actually but they're both queer women yeah it wasn't a case of you're a woman I've never done it with a woman blah, yeah. blah, blah. because yeah. she was she had relationships from women yeah. before didn't she yeah. I think it definitely added to the dynamic of it, it but things more tense it did and I don't know whether that tenseness added to the kind of sexual chemistry came about yeah I thought it was quite interesting how I didn't find the scenes where Eve and Nathan were alone I didn't find them as kind of engaging it just felt like oh it's just sex and although it was described in as you know tremendous and fantastic and all of this stuff I the added element of having Olivia there for me was what made it really interesting yeah but I did yeah I didn't find it cringy thank god so it's a win (laughs) I I did read the I I read something earlier um when I was reading around the novel and um somebody had written that Eve has a kind of political commitment to lesbianism Mm. and I mean I think that's an interesting thing to say yeah but I can kind of understand that from the way Eve is written and I found it so I'm really reluctant to use the word interesting again as I realize I've said it (laughs) (laughs) interesting I was curious (laughs) nice (laughs) I was curious about Eve having this kind of you know she's very explicit about how she's a lesbian and how yeah she kind of doesn't she's not the biggest fan of men on the whole but no. then she starts having sex with nathan and it's like revolutionary yeah and i i read that lillian fishman started out to sort of write a queer novel she thought it would be a queer novel yeah and then kind of realized that actually nathan is the center of this yeah which makes it sort of heterosexual and she was kind of like oh but then i set out to write this that kind of calls into question like a really interesting theme of like the male gaze and Mm. like you know women seeking male validation yeah um because that also says a lot about like patriarchy and about you know male to women kind of power dynamics and relationships yeah i mean my sister will probably kill me for saying this but she always jokes that she is um a lesbian that seeks male validation (laughs) (laughs) so um i think it was just a really interesting topic to explore i wonder if the book would have been as successful as it is without Nathan being there as a guy you know like if it was a a solely queer novel yeah would it have had that same kind of impact because I think a lot of the themes are focused around the fact that he, he he is a guy yeah and he has these desires and wants and needs and I think that a lot of his traits are solely male are solely stereotypically male Mm. because he is self-confident he has self-esteem he owns a room he doesn't apologize for being in the room Mm. all of these things that women struggle with because it's been ingrained in us to apologize 
for being here he doesn't struggle with any of that no and i think that's important that he was that element in it yeah you know on that note i think my quote might be oh yeah let's go for it yeah i just think it's what's the word i'm looking for appropriate appropriate for what we're currently speaking about (laughs) um so i really enjoyed this i remembered the feeling she meant the sense that men were alien that if i were to foster any intimacy with a man it would be both despite and because of the fact that i could only be a body to him and i had been right to be afraid how can a body ever be safe when it's only a body how can we expect that no stranger will be tempted to torch an empty house but nathan was not not alien he had seen the lights on in the house. He had discerned the, set, the scenes that took place away from the windows in the secret rooms. His acknowledgement of my body had allowed me to start to forget about it. The facade of the house had been my duty, my obsession. and now could wander away from it for days, trusting that it had proved its use. I think that that's a great kind of... Fe- that gives you a great feel for the novel. Yeah. Because that introspection mm-hmm. runs all the way through it. It's yeah. all about looking at, well, Eve looking at herself. Yeah, and I think, you know, female body image is such a huge, you know, thing. It's, you know, a lot of, I mean, I'd go as far to say that probably, like, I don't know any woman that hasn't struggled with her body image. No, me neither. So, and I mean, I know struggling with body image can be quite a universal thing, but mm. I know for women it's, you know, a major thing because of well it's a public thing isn't it that's yeah. the problem and it's you know it's something that's been you know women have been attacked for in the media there's been a massive issue over the years with you know celebrities being being kind of you know penalized for well female celebrities being penalized for you know daring to gain weight daring <laughs> to have children and you. having you know stretch marks or post baby bodies and mm. you know there's so much that women are attacked for in terms of their bodies and i think that was a really interesting kind of introspective moment where yeah. eve is kind of observing her body and observing the way nathan perceives her body yeah and he is kind of in awe of her throughout yeah and he does say to her several times you know that he, i mean i'm not directly quoting here mm. but you know he says about how she's the best he's ever had or yeah you know he's he is kind of like mesmerized by her and obviously the whole relationship begins by them seeing her nudes online yeah i was gonna say that like the whole the whole novel is prefaced by the fact that she decides to take naked pictures of her body yeah and put them online for people to see now is that purely for validation Mm. is that because she sees her body as a commodity Mm -hmm. we just don't know but i think it's it's a brilliant way to explore that oh yeah in a unconventional sense and it's something i've not seen before no and i think also there's looking at people posting nudes or just the whole topic of taking nudes yeah there is so much taboo around that yeah and so much is taken out of the woman's control so i find that you know a lot of this time with like revenge porn yeah and and the use of female images Mm -hmm. that a lot of the time women don't have ownership of that yeah they don't take their own photos and 
publish them themselves. It's about autonomy, isn't it? Exactly. Like, yeah. And it's a really almost empowering way that she does it. You yeah. know, I want to take these pictures of myself and I want to put them online and no one's going to stop me and I can do it and it's fine. And it's sort of like, oh, okay. I haven't, I didn't know that was an option. And, you know, and it, I yeah. didn't think that a character would do that. So there's so much shame around it. I was just curious her decision to do that mm. because she's in this kind of loving relationship and is in her girlfriend's bathroom when she posts these news yeah. online. I think there's a lot of self-sabotage at work as well. Oh, yeah. I think, like, she wants to pull that ripcord and be like, doesn't matter. Yeah. And is where is this boredom coming from? Is it that mm. she's in a settled relationship? And, you know, I, I'm always curious where self-sabotage comes from. Yeah. You know, what has kind of gone on in her life that, you know, w- what happens in somebody's life to cause them to make these choices? Yeah, yeah. And I think you made a really interesting comment earlier. You were saying that, um, obviously... There is a lot about her dad in the yeah. novel. But do you want to say what you noticed? Yeah, so I noticed a distinct lack of her mother. Mm-hmm. She's, I mean, to my knowledge, my best knowledge, there was no mention of her whatsoever. I don't remember any. No, or her existence. Even in conversations with her father, there didn't seem to be no. any any kind of maternal role model there for her i wondered what kind of impact that had on her as a character because first of all why was she not mentioned she obviously does have a mother and also how did that impact her in terms of her decision making in terms of the way she looked at herself the way she viewed herself because so much of what we learn to be as women Mm -hmm. is from our mothers I I feel and to not have her in the picture that was a kind of quite a brave choice as well and I would have liked to have known a bit about her her mother yeah yeah me too just who she was me too what happened her dad was fucking awful it was terrible it was i mean like literally terrible just with every breath every syllable he spoke was some kind of slight you think about her self-esteem what is that doing Mm -hmm. but i had a question for you hannah oh so the book is split into two parts Mm -hmm. the first part is um called attention Mm -hmm. and the second part is called interrogation Did you, like, what do you feel about it being split into two parts? Did it work for you? Did it kind of, did it feel like two different halves? It didn't feel like two different halves. Mm -hmm. It felt like, you know, it was following on Mm -hmm. from each other. Um, But I think, like, I'm interested in the choice for those words. Mm. Like, attention could be many things. Mm. It could be the seeking of attention. Yeah. Um, Hence the photos. Yeah. The wanting attention from Nathan or from Mm. Olivia Mm. or from Romy. Yeah. um, From her father. Or even paying attention to herself. Yes. And paying attention to her own needs for the first time, you know. And then interrogation is... Is that interrogation of the self? Mm. Is that interrogation of sexuality? Of Of Olivia, because she gets interrogated like no one else. (laughs) Interrogation in a literal sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about those choices of words. Yeah. And I think they, you know, whatever the choices were, I just want to apologise for the fact that I live on a main road and there have been non-stop (laughs) sirens this evening. They like it. This is the latest that we've ever recorded. It is. Um, It's nice. 
night time. It's a Friday night and it's just, I live on a main road, so there's just constant sirens. It's all kicking off. They must know that we're recording. You're like, you know what? How can we ruin the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I've completely lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> the sirens threw me. Listen, it um, happens. But basically, <clears throat> like I said, I was, I was interested in the choice for those words, mm. but whatever the choices might be, I think those were great words to be used because, you know, so much is explored in the book linked to those words. Yeah, yeah. And I could just be totally misunderstanding the point of it being two halves. I mean, what did you think? I think... Like, being in two parts. I think that it allowed you to take a breath because the first half is so fast-paced and he's so kind of, like, now in a new element. Yeah. And now we're doing something new and now she's meeting these guys and now she's doing this and it, and it kind of evolves that way yeah i think you have to stop at some point and it has it then becomes the norm yeah you know and her new reality and i think we had to see things you know because they're together they're all together for what i think it's like a year and a half isn't it and i do think you needed that break in the narrative to be like okay and now this so fascinated by the fact that they had this ongoing relationship for such a long period of time yeah but actually there were so many breaks where like you know they didn't see each other for a good few weeks at a time or yeah that was missed yeah i think like she sees nathan five times over the whole winter yeah and you know that's like less than once a month yeah and i think you know her relationship with romy was more intense Mm. and their relationship is intense in its own right yeah but there were bigger gaps and bigger breaks but it was like they just kind of once they were back together they fell back into it Yeah. yeah so obviously we've been speaking about sex and sexuality and female sexuality um so like i said before it's been described as a sex masterpiece Mm um so books that tend to explore sex and lust and desire and all these things can kind of be considered as smut yeah which I really don't like I hate that word no but I, I just don't understand that when sex is something that we all do yeah yeah to me as well there's a lot of snobbishness around mm-hmm. sex in books and I call it like the E.L. James like factor so you know when that hit the market now I will state that I'm not a fan of of the books um but the fact that 50 shades of gray hit the market and was consumed like no other paperback novel at the time i mean like it was in every woman's hand Mm -hmm. everywhere you went on beaches every single sun lounger had it on you know it it was vast it was i'm not gonna lie i was one of them oh yeah i read it myself (laughs) um but the thing is that was commercially acceptable because people started reading it and it which was a- fascinates me because you know the, even the film was like groundbreaking like yeah. it's such a major film and to have that on screens like in cinemas and yeah like that is groundbreaking yeah but now you talk about 50 shades of gray um especially in literary circles and it's very much a kind of like snobbish oh yeah reaction to like oh that's not very good you know and i think you can look back throughout history and look at some classic novels i mean lady chatterley's lover (laughs) was you know another groundbreaking novel that touched on sex Mm -hmm. and was banned immediately and i think we've come a long way where now acts of service can be published and can be read and you know books like 50 shades of grey have made headway for this to happen Mm -hmm. i'm you know i'm not saying that el james has (laughs) 
become the you know um a literary hero but i do think that you have to take away the snobbishness and the prudishness yeah. around these types of novels they are just as valid as as a violent novel as a romantic novel as a comedic novel it's an element of life yeah and I it, think sex is, you know, linked to so much about ourselves. Everything, everything. I mean, we're animals, let's face it. <laughs> we're animals and human instinct. Um, our main, one of our main instincts is to have sex. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's so much taboo around it and there is so little fiction that explores it well. I I'm so grateful that we have books like this to read regardless of your opinion of it you might hate the book but at least you've read it at least you know mm-hmm. that that kind of stuff is out there yeah and to be accessed and it might teach you a bit about yourself or mm-hmm. teach you about consent or teach you about relationships you know not everything is about the nitty-gritty of sex mm-hmm. but then also it's quite nice yeah and i think so interesting that you just mentioned consent because I really loved the observations of consent in the novel. Yeah. Because there was so much that happened with Nathan in what he was doing sexually to both Olivia and to Eve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking before about how um, Olivia was submissive, um, yeah. but it was a consensual submissiveness. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of conversations between um, Eve and Nathan where Eve would be like, you know, fuck you to Nathan. Yeah. And Nathan would be saying, like, hang on, like, I was doing to you exactly what you wanted. I yeah. read that. That's what you wanted. Yeah. And, and I just thought that was really kind of thought-provoking and we don't see it that often. And then the, the kind of ambiguity of the consent at the end. Yes, yes. Um, not to give too much away, but that kind of coming full circle mm-hmm. and being like, how much of Olivia's experience do we think was consensual? Because mm. can you give your consent but not be in full have the capacity to give it when you aren't in full knowledge of all the facts. Do you think that Nathan was manipulative? This is a hard one. Yeah. Because to me, he was. Mm -hmm. But I don't think any of his acts were particularly dangerous in any way. I think that the women in the novel always had the choice to not be there. I don't think they were manipulated to be there. No. Particularly Eve. But I do think there's an issue with Olivia. Mm-hmm. She works for him. She loves him. There is a hold over her yeah, that he sure. knows he has. And I, f- I did find that difficult. And I think Eve finds that difficult. And that's why she broaches the subject a lot of, mm-hmm. you work together, you work together. You remember you you guys work together <laughs> and i think she's she is concerned like what will happen if this goes tits up which is so interesting that there's no mention unless we've got really poor memories the both of us which isn't on the possible it's possible <laughs> um the the lack of mention of Eve's mum. Yeah. But she had quite a, a motherly, or maybe not motherly, like a maternal kind of um, care for well, I think Olivia. It, like. I think it's that natural instinct that a lot of women have, which is to be concerned mm. um, about other women. Like, I can be sat at a bus station and 
there's a woman walking on her own i will make sure she walks across the road safely to her destination if there's a guy around i just will like it is my so the whole text me when you get home yeah text me when you get home safe you know i would never let my friend walk home in the night on her own i would always walk with it these kind of instincts that are ingrained in women to kind of be like a mother hen to her girlfriends I think would definitely at play with Eve mm-hmm. and her relationship with Olivia because as much as I think she desired her she did desire her but I think she also worried about her a lot more than she probably let on so just speaking about her relationship with Olivia yeah what did you think about Eve's relationships with other women you know there's her relationship with her housemate and best friend Fatima mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. her relationship with her girlfriend Romy yeah what do you think because her relationship with Nathan is so different yeah you know what what do you think that is I think she ruled the roost and I think she does in most of her relationships I think she's quite controlling I think that she holds the status in her relationships her sexual relationships her friendships because no one kind of stands up to her no one says what you're doing is wrong no one says other than one conversation with Romy like there is no sort of girlfriend who's looking out for her you know I was really I think we were speaking earlier yeah. about how we were really surprised by the fact that uh, Fatima kind of doesn't I mean I would have really liked to have seen the conversation again me being nosy <laughs> I would have really liked to have seen the conversation <laughs> when Eve first admits to Fatima what's going on yeah but we just kind of accept that Fatima already knows yeah yeah this is happening whereas I think that would have been a good insight into their friendship yeah like I know if I told you that I was cheating on my boyfriend with another couple Mm. you'd be like hang on I'd probably going on here give you a bit of a slap (laughs) I'd be like sort it out um but yeah like I don't know whether our view on friendship is different but I feel like most women would sit and have an honest conversation with each other mm-hmm. and be like what you're doing is really really dangerous mm-hmm. or or is not good for you no. um, whereas Fatima's kind of like yeah okay and I think what you said earlier about how Eve is you know it's about self-sabotage yeah. Eve is really in this state of self-sabotage yeah and I think spoiler alert skip ahead <laughs> but like you know towards the end it's kind of like she's never getting herself out of this yeah kind of pattern of self-sabotage and, and starting to make better choices yeah yeah but is is it because no one has challenged her before potentially because i feel like her she's coasted mm-hmm. for a lot of a lot of the first half of the book she coasts mm-hmm. along and i think that when ramifications start happening particularly with rami particularly uh with her relationship with olivia with her dad I think that it kind of dawns on her this this kind of responsibility that she has to take for the options that she well for the choices that she's made mm-hmm. and I think that's all kind of wrapped up in that self-sabotaging kind of she's domineering in one aspect of her life and then she needs to be submissive in the other because she doesn't do it anywhere else other than with Nathan and whether that's her outlet for that side of her 
Yeah. But I think every single person that reads this book is going to have a different opinion on that. Oh, yeah. I 100%. think it's, it's a divisive novel in that I actually don't think two people can read the book the same. No. This is, it's such a kind of... I, I've all, I'm also so desperate to speak about the plot twist, but I just, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. No, it's too <laughs> Because good. they're too good. They're too good. But I think... did, did you see them coming? No. Me neither. No. And, and usually you kind of get an inkling. Yeah. But with this, I didn't. Me neither. And I loved that. Yeah. I was like, okay, this book's caught me. It was really well done. So well done. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've been uh, rambling on. We've been rambling for an hour. Oh. We've been waxing lyrical. Yeah. We apologize. Uh, which is a great sign that there are so many talking points. Yeah. And there are more <laughs> things that I would like to say. I could talk say. about it for hours. <laughs> That's the problem. But I think we should go for, if you like this, then read this. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Lydia, do you want to give us? I would love to. So I think that this, when I was reading this, it brought to mind a novel that I read as part of the book club that we used to do. It's a sort of sort of a coming of age novel, would you say? Um, it's In at the Deep End by Kate Davis. And it's about a woman discovering her sexuality as a queer woman and meeting a partner and exploring her sexuality for the first time really and again it has some really well written sex scenes and it's all about that exploration of self exploration of sexuality of learning all about a different way of exploring your body and yeah I would definitely recommend it as if you like this because it's of a similar ilk but probably I'd say quite a bit lighter in its tone it's a good like beach and the deep end. yeah it, I, I think it's lighter than this do you think I, I yeah but you that. know what i'm like for darkness i like go really okay, well dark. i'm gonna say it's definitely not lighter <laughs> definitely not i'm like it's a comedy <laughs> It's a comedy that explores toxic, abusive relationships. It so does. does that. But in a fun way. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. My gosh. <laughs> anyway, what about you? Um, so I'm going to recommend uh, Insatiable by Daisy Buchanan. Nice. And I read this uh, directly before I read Acts of Service. Um, so I don't know if I am just making that comparison because I read them back to back. Yeah. But Insatiable is about a queer woman having a sexual awareness awakening and entering an odd kind of maybe not odd maybe odd's not the right term but kind of an unusual sexual dynamic and kind of finding herself and realizing her sexuality and you know it does call into question things like lust and desire and morality yeah and all those kind of similar themes and i've also seen insatiable described as smart but it's one of the funniest <laughs> books i've ever read list. <laughs> <laughs> it is so freaking sexy yeah and i was obsessed with the sex scenes probably sexy in every other page i'm not gonna lie Beautiful. Uh, i really enjoyed it um nice. And yeah, I would probably say it's very similar in the above reasons. Yeah. And how great that there's like so many books out at the minute that that tackle these kind of themes. Yeah. I love it. Now let's move on to Pals Picks. <laughs> I've reinvented the name. Pals Picks. Thank God. 
not for long now. Oh. <laughs> uh, but pals picks because we've had a few pals recently that have offered their services to we pod. are loving the pals yes and lid let's do you want to introduce her <laughs> so this is natalie um she loves i think the best way to describe her is she loves like emily henry she loves anything romance she really loves a ya and a dystopian she loves a bit of dystopia um i've recently lent her leave the world behind because Amazing. i was like you will love this um she doesn't like anything that's too realistic so she once told me that if it resembles reality too much it stresses her out <laughs> <laughs> so she has to have something and you gave her leave the world behind yeah but it's dystopian see she's got she's got different it's rules close to home <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also thinking I'm gonna give her Dreamland by Rosa Ranking uh, Gay because I think that she'd love that too. Um, so that's the kind of stuff she would go for. So I don't know what she's picked, but I feel like we might be in the realm of maybe YA, maybe romance. Okay. Something that she would go for. Now, are you gonna give us a reveal? I am going to give you the reveal. Okay, I'm excited. So I'm clicking on it now. I'm having a look. I've not seen it. I've not seen it before. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Were you right? I think I was. (laughs) (laughs) So the book is The Grace Year by Kim Liggett. Oh, amazing. And I will read you the blurb. She sent me the blurb because she's so good. Love her. And it is, no one speaks of the grace year. It's forbidden. Teeny James lives in an isolated village where girls are banished at 16 to the northern forest to brave the wilderness and each other for a year. They must rid themselves of their dangerous magic before returning purified and ready to marry if they're lucky. It is forbidden to speak of the grace year, but even so, every girl knows that the coming year will change them if they survive it. Set in a ruthless patriarchal society where the where the most a young woman can hope for is to be chosen to be a wife the grace year is a riveting speculative feminist thriller for readers of the power and the hunger games oh fuck (laughs) that's a cracker i think nats wins i actually think she does so should we listen to what she has to say about it before we wax lyrical Thank you. 
I just say Nats is the most introverted person in the world and the fact that she's been able to do that I just applaud her because <laughs> I'm sure she wanted to die inside the whole time she was speaking um, but thank you so much Nats for um, for that voice note I know it's not easy <laughs> I am obsessed with that voice note um, I love the explanation I love the yeah. choice I love the choice. Me I mean, too. I got it spot on with the YA dystopia. Yeah. I'm just saying. But yeah, no. And I mean, if you've seen the cover, the cover is gorgeous, guys. It is. Like, it please is. Google it right now. Very. Because it's so nice. Um, but yeah, just the fact that as well, it's for readers of the power. I'm like, that's me. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, what do you think of the choice? I love it. Brilliant. Obsessed. What about you? I love it. There uh, you go. I'm really excited Done. to read it. And uh, up to now, we have read none <laughs> of the picks that we've been sent. So I think we need to crack on and report back. Maybe we should do an episode dedicated to the I picks. think we will. Um, I mean, I'm so excited for the Book of Trespass. I cannot tell you. <laughs> I hope you heard <laughs> the sarcasm in my voice. Good God. Um, <laughs> But yes, thank you very much, Nats. We uh, we do appreciate it, and we, we appreciate anyone um, that wants to uh, kind of contribute to the podcast. And if you do have any suggestions or anything like that, don't forget to DM us at um, Pod. I was waiting for you to jump in there, <laughs> um, and you know we love hearing your thoughts and Amazing, we love yeah. your book rack. So don't be shy and on that note we have arrived at my favourite section (laughs) Uh, cultural wrecks let's fire them over okay so my current obsession is the TV show Fargo nice I can't stop thinking about it and I've watched it before but I've I've been re-watching series one and Martin Freeman's face is the most expressive face (laughs) in the acting universe and you can fight me if you don't believe me i mean she means that he's the most naturalistic actor um and i love absolutely love his characterization of lester in the first season have you watched it no oh it's so good um I watched him recently in The Responder. Oh, yeah. And he was incredible in that. He is incredible. He's just got this natural ability to embody everyday characters, mm-hmm. particularly like the underdog. He plays Lester so well. And yeah, I'm just, I would watch him all day. He is kind of the actor's bread and butter. Mm-hmm. He can. He is comedic. He is dramatic. He can do both with skill. Um, and not many actors can do that. Not. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to be making you watch Fargo now. Okay. So, deal with that. Um, so, if you've not watched it, watch it now, please. How about you? Have you got one? I do. My TV recommendation is The Dropout, which is a series on Hulu. Um, you can access it on Disney Plus as well. And I am just obsessed. I really wasn't sure what I was going to think of it. But when I saw Amanda Seyfried had got an Emmy nomination for her role as Elizabeth Holmes I was like okay I want to watch it now and me and my boyfriend have just been hooked um I didn't know anything about Elizabeth Holmes and her company Theranos I know nothing um so Elizabeth Holmes it's based on the dropout is based on a real 
life on real life events all right okay um so it's i think it's been adapted from um an abc news podcast Mm -hmm. um about elizabeth holmes and elizabeth holmes is a woman who started uh, was the founder of a company called theranos and um she dropped out of harvard and was wanting to become a scientist a scientist i've got that probably butchered that but she wanted to start this company um where you could um diagnose somebody in america with um simply get a drop of their blood and it would give them a full diagnosis and um it would kind of revolutionize healthcare in america Um, and that was the aim um but there was some incredibly dodgy misleading toxic kind of things that happened within the company and the technology that she was using didn't work and um i kind of don't want to give too much away but um wow the technology wasn't working and there was a lot of corrupt uh, there was a lot of kind of corrupt happenings going on in the company and it wasn't what it seemed no and um you know there's a whole kind of court case that goes on um and this her company was started in kind of uh 2008 potentially mm-hmm. and some of the verdicts have actually only happened in recent weeks really yeah oh, so wow. this leaking of the corrupt happenings mm-hmm. was only kind of leaked in like 2016 or something oh wow um so it's like really explosive and honestly amanda seafried this is you you've not seen her do anything like oh i love that and her kind of embodiment of elizabeth holmes is incredible wow like i was like looking at the emmy nominations of uh, and the lineup this year is just insane like there is some insane talent on that list and it's going to be really difficult for them to kind of narrow it down yeah but she is very well deserving of that award wow um the elizabeth holmes changed her voice um because she wanted to be perceived as it was kind of a whole business tactic and she deepened her voice dropped her voice yeah Yeah, a lot of female politicians do it yeah and she dropped her voice and um amanda seyfried kind of reenacting that is just like insane honestly oh i have to give that a watch yeah and there's there's a thing that elizabeth holmes does where she learned um in a kind of like business book or something that um you need to not blink oh uh, you shouldn't blink um, because if you're in a conversation with somebody, you need to look like you're paying attention at all times. And it's like losing the power. Yeah. Losing the power dynamic um, if you blink. Oh my God. Really strange. But Amanda Seyfried like recreates that. Oh wow. And it's just phenomenal. I um, really cannot recommend it enough. Oh, that's um, so cool. Would really recommend it. So Lydia, what's your other recommendation? Well, mine is a musical uh, recommendation. Gorgeous. <clears throat> And it is that I currently cannot stop listening to, on repeat, the song Evergreen by Yebba. Oh, I love Yebba. Oh my gosh. I like, adore her. She's just amazing. And I used her to... Her voice. Oh, so like soulful, isn't it? Soulful and kind of earthy. Mm. Just everything I love about um, a kind of soul voice. Um, and yeah, the song I'm Evergreen. I'm downloading that right now. Oh my gosh. It is just 
so good and obviously she's done like collabs with like Mark Ronson and things like and Ed Sheeran so you know she's she is successful but for me the stuff that really is like an earworm is the stuff that she's done solo um and she's just absolutely bloody fantastic she is like her voice is so gorgeous and Mm -hmm. just so much you know she doesn't faff around she just sings it and you feel the lyrics when she's when she sings it so um so yeah bit obsessed with her recently so if you're looking for something new to listen to maybe chuck on a bit of yabba and have a go yeah so definitely yeah i would also recommend (laughs) how about you um so my final recommendation is the amazing incredibly short book misfits by our lord and saviour michaela cole (laughs) um i am obsessed with michaela cole i love her so much everything she creates is just amazing um i am so kind of fascinated by her journey into the acting industry how she takes full ownership over her work i would really really recommend listening to um her on louis theroux's podcast Mm. um it's a an amazing episode and gives you a real feel for just her mind which is just like her mind genius she is a genius i don't say that lightly no but she is so the book uses her mctaggart Mm-hmm. lecture as a jumping off point and um you know she also intru- introduces the lecture and talks about um her life leading up to that lecture you know giving that lecture is a huge kind of achievement for someone yeah. and how she felt after she'd given that lecture yeah and it was just such a great look into the acting industry the tv industry how these doors are kind of closed off to you know working class people and lower class people um and how you know yes there might be opportunities for people from those backgrounds but there's no support for them once they enter the industry yeah yeah and that's where they for sure because they kind of don't know what to do with themselves once they find themselves in there yeah. and there's certain things that they're not aware of and it leaves them on the back foot all the time mm-hmm. and I thought that was such a, you know as a working class creative myself I really really felt kind of I really felt moved by yeah her exploration of that and what it feels like as a person from those backgrounds entering the industry and I mean also you know there are many more barriers that Michaela Cole will face as a black woman yeah and you know there are other I think there are other dynamics at play for her as well aren't they because there are other dynamics at play and there are other barriers that she's going to face that I as a white woman will not understand but from the perspective of a working class person yeah trying to enter these industries i really felt moved by her kind of talking about that because it was Mm. so spot on yeah yeah and um you know there's a moment in it where she talks about the fact that she stepped on her own set for chewing gum that was created by channel four and um found three black actors confined to one trailer and the white actress on set having her own trailer you're joking and she she says that she goes into the producer's office giving a full she, her words she gives a full-blown cat slater <laughs> like what is going on here how dare you do this 
and the producer jumps straight to you know I'm not a racist I'm not a racist and she goes I know you're not a racist which is why I'm so confused why you've done this yeah and then there's this kind of whole awkward kind of period on set where nobody kind of speaks for a couple of hours and then um, you know somebody above this producer comes to her and says right what needs to happen now and she goes you need to get them their own trailer and you need to sort this mess out now and somebody needs to go and apologize to them yeah and McKenna Cole herself goes to apologize to the actor and says I'm sorry you've been put in this position um where you look like the bad person here but you're not um but this is this whole dynamic is completely wrong yeah. and then she goes to the black actors and says you know why have you allowed this to happen why have you let somebody do this to you and they go I'm worried that we'd be kicked out of a job yeah and you know there is there's the more at that stake there, yeah there is more at stake and there is the whole you know factor that you know they are black people who are kind of not wanting to cause a fuss because yeah. you know there is the whole negative stereotype that you know black people are definitely around black men it's the predisposition to be angry isn't yes yeah so they don't want to do that but then at the same time there is that whole thing where you're a young actor coming into the industry and you don't have many credits to your name yeah you kind of pussyfoot around things because you're so afraid that you make one wrong move mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the whole game's over for you yeah and you know i really admire michaela cole for kind of being so unafraid yeah. in her interrogation of that in the industry and um, calling it out when she sees it absolutely and it's a great example of kind of like you know what you need to stand up yeah um and i think yeah i think it sounds fascinating it's such a good book and it's so short i literally read it in 45 minutes i love that <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's it's probably like just under 150 pages oh no nice. i flew through it i loved it so much i adore everything that she does and creates and um also if you've not watched uh, chewing gum or i may destroy you uh, go and watch it I may destroy you on BBC iPlayer Chewing Gum is now available on Netflix but it's a Channel 4 drama so it might also still be available on there um, but please 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 if you're new to Michaela Cole go and consume her work because she is phenomenal and I'm so excited to see what she produces next mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, incredible writer amazing actor um, yeah go and support her work absolutely an hour and a half for time i think that's all we've got time for today we are going to go and eat our dinner now Mm. but acts of service is published by europa editions and thank you so much to europa editions for our gifted copies it is available in all great bookstores yeah it is um we will leave links below in the show notes and we will also leave links to all the recommendations that we've as always they will be listed yeah so uh thank you so much for listening thank you very much guys bye bye bye